Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. We're going to be talking today about Inhabit. And the body love card, the goddess is dancing in a room that has drums behind it and the universal music sign all over the place. And her little power animal deer is also shaking her booty. This is inhabiting the body that we have and just being happy with it and being in it and having fun with it. So the back of the card reads, inhabit means to live in our bodies, not in our heads. When we learn to be present in our bodies, to move out of the obsessive thinking and into our feelings, we can learn to identify and meet our physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. First, we must be aware that we are in the obsession, in the thinking, in the head. Then we can use our breath to bring our awareness into our body and explore what we are experiencing in our bodies. So for me, when I was struggling with my eating disorder and also a lot of my clients, it's so hard to live in your body. It's like I had a head and that's all I had. I didn't want to go. My body I didn't like it. I felt like there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of shame. I just would rather have lived from the neck up. And so obviously, you know, I didn't take care of the body that I had. But part of my recovery was to inhabit and to live there and to feel what that feels like to be in there, to move out of the head and into the heart and into the gut and into the body that I had just felt overwhelming to me. It really did. And it feels overwhelming, I know, to a lot of my clients. But as I learned how to use my breath to move into my body or as learned how to trust my body, which I, of course, had no trust before my recovery, I was able to do that. So I'm really so grateful to have Deborah here today. She can tell us what she's been doing. How does this Inhabit card fit in her life? And what she's all about. So hello to you, Deborah. Hello. Thank you so much for including me in this conversation. A much loved topic for me. I am a certified eating disorder registered dietitian and also an IDEP approved supervisor and also a dietitian that's been in this clinical world for more than 35 years. So I've worked with a lot of people and I'm very passionate about the recovery process, the intuitive eating process, the offering of trust and liberation that you were talking about before. And I'm also a yoga teacher. My teaching piece has become one of my nearest and dearest passions and part of my own personal process and journey as well as what I offer. If people are interested, I don't push that piece until folks feel curious about that because it is being in our bodies brings up so much 
as you mentioned, shame and hard stuff to experience, both in our bodies and in our heads. So I don't push that piece until folks feel a little bit more safe, curious, comfortable, a little bit more inner scaffolding created (laughs) in order into that. I offer groups and classes and I also supervise other dietitians and I have my own practice and there are four of us now and getting ready to add another because this is such a topic of great need, especially that's also been amplified with the pandemic. Yet another thing that the pandemic has amplified in our lives, the isolation and anxiety. And the illusion of control and so many things, right? (laughs) Yeah. I love what you said. Explain a little bit more about the inner scaffolding. That's a very curious way of putting that. I think I know what you mean, but explain that a little more. I love that. Okay. And I'm going to steal it, by the way, whatever it is. Okay. (laughs) You're welcome to it. Okay. Certainly have no trademark on inner scaffolding. <laughs> I'm sure I heard it from someone else. Don't remember where I heard that. But a skill set around feeling a little bit more that you know how to bring yourself back into the window of tolerance when you get dysregulated, when you get oh, flooded. Yes. Yeah. Get to have some skills around bringing your nervous system back online or back to a place where you can re-engage with your present moment. That's probably the most inner piece of the inner scaffolding for me. And I also find that when I'm talking about food, and I know the name of your podcast is, it's not about food. (laughs) But it really is actually a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I walk an interesting line there because the way we talk about it is about food and body, right? And so sometimes as a dietitian, I have to be in that place with someone to help them realize that it's really not about the food as much as it is. Exactly. It's about everything else, but we start with the body and the food because that's what usually brings them in. They just cannot stand it anymore, which is a very powerful place to be. I've been on a diet since I was eight years old. It's not working for me. What can I do? And then you do this, but I'm not losing any weight, so I need a better diet. (laughs) It's just cycle on and on. And I love the word tolerance because I found for me, and I'm sure you're finding yourself too, you have to have that tolerance to inhabit your body because we're not taught. Watching my grandkids when they were little and my own son when he was little, he had a lot of tolerance for his body. He loved his body. They love their body. They just think they're the greatest. But as they grow and change and become members of our society, if you will, they'll start to like it very much. And that's what happened to me. I just started to hate it, actually, at some point. Instead of not liking what I was being told, I was not liking how I didn't respond very well to what I was being told. Absolutely. And I had to learn that tolerance. Tolerance of feeling uncomfortable, too, instead of wanting to jump out of your body and into your head. To tolerate that anxiety and waves of discomfort sometimes. Yeah. And I became a yoga teacher many years ago, although I don't teach anymore. But I remember being in a pose, if you will, and the teacher said, now take five breaths. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) I'm not taking any five breaths. (laughs) Maybe a half of one, because this hurts. (laughs) Yes. And building up that tolerance to take five breaths. And I'm many times 
talk to my clients because there is so much trauma experience in folks that I find myself working with that I offer alternatives to breath as well because sometimes breath is uncomfortable to also talk about utilizing your senses perhaps if there's a scented candle or essential oils available to tune into the sense of smell as well as if there's some soft music or if you have access to the outdoor the sound of the birds or the wind allowing your hearing to rest on that or even allowing your gaze to rest on a candle or comforting object in your space because sometimes breath is unavailable and now with the pandemic it's a whole nother conversation many people stories about not being able to breathe or having loved ones that weren't able to breathe right. so breath is becoming more and more complicated and our senses with the pandemic especially for people who are what's called long haulers they no longer have breath or smell or taste sure. so yeah i love finding the sense that is still there like just take your gaze to the candle or let yourself hear the soft music or whatever or the birds here it's such a more compassionate loving way than things just aren't available for you so move on which is where we want to go a lot of times Matthew Sanford, but he's an amazing yoga teacher and he's taught me a lot. He's a paraplegic yoga teacher, so he really does a great deal about your relationship to yoga and how very powerful the mind is. Just imagining, you know, yourself in a pose, what starts to unfold there. So talk about around accessibility. So we're talking about in habits. So say I'm a client, I don't know anything about this, but I know that I'm just so uncomfortable in my skin and I need some help. So I come knocking at your door, figuratively, because we're doing everything on Zoom these days. <laughs> and how do you work with somebody who has such body hatred, which is so far away from intuitive eating? And how do you gather them back into themselves? What a lovely question and what a challenge. <laughs> and this that I do all day. Of course, initially creating an awareness that there is a relationship with body that is from a stance of ownership, from a stance of objectifying, like being caught up in the social narrative around beauty ideals and the hierarchy that our culture has set up around what bodies are supposed to look like, you know, developing awareness of those thoughts initially. And of course, how that has served. Typically, eating disorder patterns were created in a way of creating safety and were actually wise initially. They actually did serve. And so to try not to push too much on making those changes, but acknowledging how all of that is part of a person's life. From there, um, trying to shift to more of a partnership with body instead of ownership to create you know, more of an interest in experiencing their senses, experiencing life with access to being in their bodies. And I understand that can be a twisty kind of path. Yeah. I played around with another one of your cards, Spiral, for a very long time because it's one of my favorites. It is, for sure. 
card that I love with self-compassion because I think that is an essential constant practice because you can feel like you're messing up and you feel like you're, you just can't do it and it's overwhelming. So to stay with yourself, with kindness, so that you can have a feeling of being in a process at all. Our culture doesn't allow for this or support or model. You're pushing against an awful lot when you step into this. Yeah, we are not patient. We don't have any tolerance. You can just look at how we've treated this whole pandemic. Yeah, but I want to get out now. But I don't want to wear a mask. But this is a hoax. I don't believe in it, blah, blah, blah. It's just so difficult, I think, for us to be just present with what is and have compassion and love about it. And that, I find, a lot of times will make the shift if we just go there. And to get somebody into the body that they hate is a particular trick, too. It's like the answers are inside you. I'm here to support you getting those answers and to validate. And I'll tell you what I think, but they're there. It just does a lot of pain a lot of times, so much pain. So I feel myself wanting to talk about 16 different things right now yeah. based on what you just said. There's so much to talk about because I feel like, first of all, that trauma is so real and that bodies don't feel safe sometimes. And to let that be okay, to let the resistance to being in body be very acceptable and just kind of noticing and holding that too, holding that resistance too with some compassion with as much noticing as is comfortable at the time with a client or with yourself. And from there, as you said, as you can be present and kind with yourself and slowing that down, like noticing what's to start to open up, what starts to unfold in that moment. And so for the goal, not to be like loving yourself, but to just <laughs> simply step towards some neutrality. I've been doing some writing lately just about like, post-inauguration, so many thoughts about where we are in 2021. And I feel like that I have this desire to just put myself in a neutral coasting. <laughs> I think we're all so tired from 2020 that I just don't want to put a lot of effort. Just let me coast for just a, just a little while. <laughs> so it feels like sometimes that like fight toward body love it's too much to just try to put yourself in neutral. That's the way I feel about this. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm. When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call the bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. Rich flavor is one of your favorites. You'll want to join me on The Wine Road. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. I love that. I'm thinking of like when I was younger and learning how to drive and somebody said, you could just put it in neutral and coast a little bit. You don't have to constantly be like gripping the steering wheel with all your mind. Right. Good trust. And be kind to yourself as you could. <laughs> yeah. And I also love what you said, and I'm paraphrasing what you said, but that there's a really good reason for the eating disorder. 
And it didn't start out as a disorder. It started out as a way you found to take care of yourself. And weren't we smart little girls to come up with that? Absolutely. Weren't we just so incredibly wise to come up with, I know a way I can take care of myself. I can eat candy in the closet. There's something I can do because I don't know what else to do but there is something. There was a lot of wisdom and it did work and then it switched over and now it's not working. That's right. And through no fault of our own. For me, it's sort of like food was what I could get. I didn't have heroin. (laughs) I couldn't go live at another house. I didn't have a car. I couldn't drive away. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any independence. I had to deal with what was there and food was something that helped me cope. And later on, when it actually became a hammer that I hit myself in the head with, it still was extremely hard to let go of it. I didn't know how I would ever take care of myself again. So when you work with clients, how do you get them to be inhabiting in their body and in their recovery and and just sort of inhabit their whole entire existence, if you will? Well, I believe in practice. One of my hashtags is practice, practice, practice. (laughs) And I think the how is about developing small, little, achievable and accessible practices that invite a person into partnership with body. And it can be anything from placing your hand on your heart when you wake up in the morning, when you first open your eyes to see if you can create a connection with some sweet like words of endearment toward yourself. Sometimes this is an element of reparenting to almost speak to your child, your inner child, with the love and care that you long for. It can be feeling your feet when you are feeling dysregulated and you're feeling jazzed and uncomfortable to just notice what it feels like to feel your feet grounded or your seat, whatever you have access to feeling a surface that's supporting you. It can be one of my very favorite recommendations is to have a goal of connecting with your body five times a day. I feel like our life naturally invites us into when we first wake up at least three meals as you go to bed. So those five bridges into your connection to your body feel like an achievable. Now, I know that all mindfulness practices are slippery business. You may feel like you are doing this thing and then it's gone for a couple of weeks and then you're like, oh yeah, I need to see if I can check in. Yeah. So it's not like you arrive with planting the flag and I'm here. It's not like that. It's a practice. So those kinds of gentle invitations into that partnership with body. And of course, over time, to see if you can start to trust the wisdom that arises, the wisdom of knowing when you're hungry and knowing when you're satisfied, the feedback that you get from your body is that really energized me. I'm going to eat that again. That really made me feel like I just wanted to go to bed. I don't think that's a good idea for me. So let your body guide your choices. Yeah, for me, I love what you were just saying. It's it's so much more of a kinder, softer way than get in to do your steps and make sure you don't eat anything you like. Only eat things you don't like. 
in a small amount. People are told those things by providers. I've heard them before. Absolutely. I actually had somebody when I was really suffering with an eating disorder tell me, if you like it, that means that you're addicted to it and you should stop eating it. It's like, well, what? You know, I mean, I don't like eggplant, so I should be eating eggplant all the time. Is that all I get to eat? And thank goodness, a lot of stuff I was told, I was like, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) work. So your inner instinct was wise. I mean, you had trust in that from the beginning, right? Well, I didn't have much trust. I heard it. I might not have believed it. A lot of times I thought that, oh, this is my addictive mind saying this to me and I shouldn't listen to it. I mean, it gets very convoluted when you really mix up all this stuff that we're told or we think or we read somewhere. I would take a newspaper that said that Elvis was still alive and lived on the moon. There'd be a diet in that magazine and I would just be so convinced (laughs) that was the right way to... (laughs) If it meant that I would lose weight, I would believe anything. So that was part of the recovery too, was to stop, uh, to go within. You know, this inner child work to become your own good parent of that inner child was huge. And in a way, I had to think of my body as my child. Actually, I think about my body as my dog. Like I take my dogs for a walk. I feed them really well. They're sick. They got to go to the vet. If you die and come back as one of my dogs, you're lucky because I really take care of my dogs and my cat. So my body is trusted servant and trusted friend, and I have to take care of it. It's my job to do that. Well said. So to get from... I hate my body. I hate what I'm doing. I need a new diet to get from there to inhabiting and loving and taking care. How do you bridge that gap? I really love what you said about checking in five times a day. You could even check in more times if you add like every time you pee. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That was a base. That was a base. Yeah. Yeah. When I actually first started this invitation in in my own life. My goal was 15 times. I'll do something about me probably. My goal was 15 times because what I did was every time I was interrupted, if my phone rang or did a little ding sound, I would see if I could feel my feet and find a connection. If I picked up a beverage, I would try to feel the temperature on the skin. If I was between clients, I would try to take a breath. If I was at a stoplight, I would try to feel the steering wheel on my hands and look up at the sky. To just And I'll still do all these things. I consider them to be games that I play with myself. I can carry it a little bit lightly and have more of a playful attitude instead of a demanding, like I must master this, create some playful curiosity along the path so that I can keep doing it. Aim like a big, like have to... I would probably get embarrassed and ashamed and drop into like that paralyzed place that we do where all or nothing. It's like, I do it 15 times. If I can't do it 15 times, I'm not going to do it at all. Or all is lost. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just give up. Never mind. Yes. Yeah. And it sounds to me like you think of it as calling yourself home, calling yourself back to the body, to yourself, to your feet on the ground. And I used to think about that. I would just be off into a world I didn't even know where. And I would call myself home like, Lassie, come home. But I would say, Laura Lee, come home. (laughs) I don't know where you've been, but come back. (laughs) That's delightful. Yeah. 
very playful and sweet kind of relationship with yourself. Yeah. Well, I had to learn all of that because I did not have it at first at all. So you have a platform here and you can talk about whatever you're working on right now, (laughs) whatever you'd like to put out into the universe. I'm going to remind you that you do open that door. Okay. (laughs) I am currently very passionate about the fact that we have a body hierarchy that is built on white supremacy. And that right now that I feel strongly that working with eating disorders is not going to be something that we can actually make a dent in, that we can be effective in any way if we don't address our social justice issues. Wow. Yes. Marginalized folks the folks that we have marginalized. I'm a white woman, you're a white woman. I have lots of privilege. I would imagine you have privilege. I do. And even with that privilege, I'm exhausted. So (laughs) I can't even imagine the fatigue and the overwhelm for all the other folks that don't have the privileges. I'm able-bodied. I have a client right now that is disabled and she has taught me so much about my own ableism, the ableism in our culture, and how difficult it is to access recovery care if you have a disability. And then there's like neurodivergency and non-gender affirming, like non-cis, it's a list, and not to mention black and indigenous and Latinx and it's a very long list. And I do claim that I'm old. I- <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> that's not one thing that yeah. you know I feel like I do experience on a regular basis that we have an ageist culture yeah. but if we do not address these issues there's no access right to care and there's continual everyday damage that creates a culture where people don't feel safe people feel like they don't belong that they don't feel like they're part of anything so they're so in my mind vulnerable to the messages of diet culture, to the messages of the body hierarchy that is white supremacy, that is the illusion that the white body is the supreme body. So I'm sorry, I've been doing a lot of reading and studying. it's so true. And a white, thin, pretty body, a white, thin, pretty, young body, a white, thin, pretty, young, rich body is the best. Yeah, that's the top. And so if you're under here with whatever you've got going on and you're not there, there's a lot of shame and a lot of pain about that. All the time. And I think there's more risk, more vulnerability to falling for the messages from diet culture. There's so many reasons why that wanting to master your body so that it does fit more into that hierarchy so that you feel safe again so that you feel seen i've had clients tell me that all of a sudden they feel seen when they're thin now there's so many things that our culture does with people that keeps them in their disordered way of relating to body that's trying to master so that they can feel safe and there's also lots and lots of reasons that we don't have diversity around providers. We don't have support for 
providers that are marginalized receiving supervision and training. I mean, it goes on and on and on. We have lots of work to do around that. So that's my big passion right now. It's a big one. And I can remember I was asked to come to the health department and talk to people about eating disorders. And so I went and did my regular shtick about what, you know, was about it. A woman raised her hand and stood up. She says, you're um, a white woman and you're dressed really nicely and you live in Marin County. And um, what do you say to somebody who doesn't have enough money and first of all, doesn't even have a grocery store where they live that has actually fresh food or they don't have any of that and they don't really have enough money to feed their kids anything but a drive through You know, and I was like, yeah, that is really hard. <laughs> and I'm not here to say that drive throughs not any good or if you have to eat from 7-Eleven, then you have to. But yeah, that get mad. Let's all get mad at that, that you have to deal with that instead of that it's your fault that you don't have enough money. Let's go there too. This is not the way that it should be. So yeah, it's always good for me to be reminded you know, there's a lot of things I've gotten to pass on, that's for sure. Didn't even know it maybe at the time. So we have to be out there talking about this, opening it up. And the food insecurity piece that you just mentioned, I think so many people are confused about how that is also part of this conversation because we now know that folks that are food insecure are at even higher risk for developing an eating disorder for lots of different reasons. That's right. Yeah, and there's trauma in that. There's great trauma in not being able to feed yourself when you're hungry. It's horrendous, yes. And then add this other weird thing. Well, not so weird when you think about it, but this other thing about the people who are getting sick and dying of COVID. They're people of color and they have weight issues and they're not very healthy. And so there's another bunch of shame and blame going on that. I understand that maybe that's the way that it is, but it's not their fault. But we're going to be blaming them. If you'd lost that weight a long time ago and been richer and gone to school and done a better thing, not had kids, we're so in this culture, so black and white. Yeah, I think COVID, I think we know for sure that COVID is lifting the veil around how wrong and broken our systems are, including our healthcare system, that... There is privilege that's playing a role in your health status more than anything else. Your zip code is much more likely to dictate your health <laughs> status that's than right. your BMI, for example. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I can go on and on about this conversation. I yeah. know. This might be a bigger conversation, but we'll have to maybe have a part two at some point. How can people get a hold of you? if they want to come in and really work on the underlying issues for whatever is happening with them with food and weight or whatever's going on with them? I think there are a couple of different ways. One, of course, is my website. Using because my website is not my name. My website is my practice name, which is body, in, I, in, mind, nutrition. Body, in, I, in, mind, nutrition. But I'm also very active on social media, particularly Instagram. And that is my name. So if you just put in Deborah Benfield, it will come up. But my actual handle there is DL Benfield 
R-D-N. So anything that you want to give to people before we wrap up here? So one of my signatures is a mantra that I end all my offerings with, and I'd be happy to do that if that's okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So placing your hands in prayer at your forehead, and you can choose to say these words or simply listen to these words. May I think of myself with compassion. And then at your eyes, may I see myself with kindness. And then at your lips, may I speak to myself with love. Mm. And then at your heart, may I know that I am enough just as I am. It's almost like a meta practice. Yeah, it's beautiful, is. beautiful. It's a meta practice that is adapted from Anna Guest Jelly of Curvy Yoga, who was my teacher for my teacher training. And I've adapted it and added a couple of pieces, but she is the original source. Curvy body yoga? Just curvy yoga. Curvy yoga. Love it. Love it. Yep. Yes. So would you mind reading this last part of the card, which is the Today I Will Practice? Today, I will practice checking in with myself throughout the day and notice what my thoughts are. I will then bring my awareness to my breathing, taking a few deep breaths, and notice where I'm holding tension in my body. I will ask myself, what am I feeling in my body? I will allow myself to come home and practice being present in my body. Mm. I want you to always read this card in your great accent. <laughs> it's My just, grandmother's accent, yes. Yeah, so calming and coasting, if you will. North Carolina and California do have some things in common, but the way we speak is not one of them. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful for you being here today. Thank you for taking the time to do this and be on the podcast and sharing your thoughts and love and heart with us. And I completely support your going towards what you're doing. And you got this, girl. <laughs> All that you're doing in the world. Yeah, you too. So thank you so much. I'll see you later. Thank you for listening. You can find me on all the social medias at It's Not About Food. And if you would like to get the show a week early and ad-free, you can become a member at Patreon. Search It's Not About Food podcast. Thanks so much.